That was pretty cool. Can we just real quick give it up for Matt Lloyd? He is in the building today, and that day I actually did know he was new, and I was actually calling him out. Uh, it's how we roll. <laughs> Not at all. I love, I love his story. That's so cool. I love seeing behind the scenes of someone's life, and I think it's, it's awesome to see what God can do to break down some walls to uh, make you um, receiving of what he has for you. And, uh, you know, maybe some of you do sit in this room, and you're a little weirded out. It's okay. Take some time. Let God, you know, kind of break away those, those barriers that keep you from kind of entering in. It's okay. You know, it, it, it does take time. And newness feels weird at times. It does. You know, when you get into maybe you buy a, a, a something new, maybe a new pair of jeans. This is a good illustration right here, a new pair of jeans because they're tight. They're really tight. You're like doing squats in your room with the jeans on just to loosen them up. <laughs> Ladies, you know all about this one. Like, come on, please fit. You know, I bought you yesterday. How did I gain this weight? What is up? You know, so you're doing squats and you're going to try to get them to fit. Over time, what happens? They become your favorite jeans because they're most comfortable. And that's, that's the same way with, with getting in with God. You know, you, you have that first experience. You're like, I love it. I love these jeans. I love Jesus. I need this. I, I need these right now. Honey, put these on the debit card. This is going down. And you just do whatever you can to get Jesus in your life. And, and then, you know, over time, it becomes this, they're like your second skin. And that's what Jesus does. He becomes your second skin. And we are, we believe here at the power place that we're Jesus with skin on. And that we're going to do everything in our power to, uh, to make his name known. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, this is five minutes of grateful. Everybody, I want you to uh, meet Derek Guevara. Give it up for Derek Guevara. <laughs> Derek, what's your name? No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, but we want to do five minutes of grateful and just kind of figure out and understand who Derek is by watching the video. You understand he's on our media team. And so um, just tell me a little bit about kind of what you do at the, uh, the Power Place, number one. Well, uh, I help run the media, help facilitate live stream, the lyrics for you guys while you're on stage, Pastor Greg's uh, Bible verses, and just making sure that this runs as smooth as possible without being a distraction at the same time. So anytime there's a problem, we know who to point the finger at. Uh, tell us real quick, Derek, how you came to the power place. Um, well, 11 years ago, I was going to Trinity Assembly of God, and uh, I heard this crazy family was coming in, the Hollises, and that they were planning a church in Kennett, which I lived in, and then I met you and your brother and fell in love with your crazy energy that you guys brought to the table. It was insane, and uh, came and helped plant the church. Um, God put it in my heart to follow you guys, and 11 years later, here I am serving <laughs> under you guys for the media team. How long did it take you to get plugged in with the media team? Uh, I'd have to say about five, six years into being in the search. When I first came with you guys, I wasn't wholeheartedly seeking God. I was kind of that half in, half out, like, yeah, Sunday mornings, I'm all about him, and then during the week, I was someone totally different, so... Uh, Six years, God took and said, we're going to work on you. And uh, you guys took me under your wings, and yeah. Well, and how long have you been serving on the media team now? Ooh, so 11, my math is horrible. Five. Five years. Five years. <laughs> I just figured that out myself. <laughs> and I didn't do homeschool. That's the sad part. <laughs> Yo, what are you trying to say? Are you kidding me? You can't bash me on stage. Um. Okay, so kind of walk me through what a typical Sunday looks like in the media booth for you and your team. 
So I come in at 8.15, I'm turning on all the equipment, setting up the lyrics, the verses, uh, turning on the camera. My team comes in, 8.30, we're running through practice with you guys, making sure the lyrics are correct, Baba verses are right, and just making sure everything's ready to go. That moment, that 9.55 hits. It's pretty cool to see kind of what's behind the scenes, isn't it? Uh, kind of walk me through and, and uh, let, me, let me understand uh, we as a church, what can we do to come behind you as a media team and kind of help you out? What would that look like? Well, we definitely are always seeking more um, help. And it's not something that is difficult or anything that we're looking for techie and savvy people with it. Just someone that wants to serve and be back there and learn. Um, you know, I wasn't someone that knew what I was doing when I first went back there and Landon and Elijah and them taught me what I need to learn, and I went and dug into it. And it became a passion, something God planted in my heart and said, this is what I have planned for you. You've been wondering what I want you to do, and here it is. So anybody that wants to serve and you don't know what God wants you to do, just jump in. Just jump in and watch what he does. It's crazy what he does after that. It's awesome. Derek, do you like your job here? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love my job. <laughs> Can I just say two seconds about Derek? Um, he is a, a leader, number one. He's here, and we, we use him every week, literally every week. This guy is um, probably overworked, but he's going to be overblessed in heaven. And, uh, and so we just, I, I want to take a quick moment and just say thank you to Derek for serving and, and doing what you do. Yeah, let's give it up for him. A lot of you probably don't know, but he actually is quitting a job that was uh, all night. And so he would actually come in with about 30 to 45 minutes of sleep before he would do a Sunday morning. That is ending. Yes, Lord. That is ending. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, but anytime you've seen him, he was going on 45 minutes of sleep. So if he's a nice guy, I think we should uh, compliment that and say, yo, you're amazing. I can't believe that you did that on 45 minutes of sleep. And so now the best is yet to come because, uh, you know, you got a new job and that's awesome. But we just, we appreciate Derek. You know, we appreciate volunteers here who serve and give their, of their time. And I think that it's an incredible, um, it's, an, it's an incredible thing to see people serve uh, and, and come together and Derek does a great job of leading back there in the media booth. He, he takes a, a hold and says, okay, this is what we're going to do. And that's what we here at the Power Place believe. We believe every volunteer is a leader. And no matter what job you do, if you're on the greeters, if you're serving donuts, the holy donuts, uh, those donuts actually do not have any calories in them. <laughs> we pray over them in the morning, and they are completely blessed. So you can have nine if you want. It's all good. But uh, we, we believe that every person is a leader. Everyone has a, a, you know, a mindset of let's change some lives. And uh, it, it's an amazing thing to see volunteers come together. So uh, once again, let's give it up for Derek Rivera and show some appreciation. Amen. What a blessing our volunteers are to us. And sometimes, you know, we don't realize what goes on behind the scenes. But I know and you know that things don't just happen, right? I'm waiting for somebody to give me my pulpit. It's coming, right? There it comes. See, those are the kind of things that happen behind the scenes that are in front of the scenes. Thank you, Rodney. You the man. Much obliged. 
Let me just tell you that uh, homegrown groups are getting ready to start, and we're pretty excited about that. And if you haven't signed up and you'd like to be uh, in a homegrown group in your area, go on our website, thepowerplace.org, click on sign me up for the homegrown group, and then just tell us where you live and you'll get plugged in, all right? Yeah. So uh, a lot of stuff going on in the world, and we have a front row seat to history. We have a front row seat to see what God is doing in these last days. And I just want to caution us and challenge us as a church to respond to what's happening in the world in a Christ-like manner. Amen. Amen. Uh, sometimes we, we can uh, have opinions, and not necessarily every opinion is a godly opinion. And so let, let, us, let us just uh, come to the, the table and, and say, God, how would we best represent you? Amen. And, and let me remind you that, that uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was a refugee. His family fled and sought asylum in Egypt when Herod was trying to kill all the babies, right? And we wouldn't be here today celebrating uh, his, his salvation that he's given us. So we just, we just need to be Jesus with skin on. Amen. We need to use wisdom and, and uh, loving kindness and, and do what Jesus asked us to do. So a couple of friends were hunting and uh, later in the day, one of them came home with the trophy buck. After showing it off to his wife, he said, I got to go back and get Bob. Where's Bob, his wife asked. So oh, I think he might have had a heart attack helping me drag this deer out of the woods. So I left him propped up against a tree. His wife said, what? What kind of friend are you? Why didn't you help your friend leave the deer and go back for it? Look, he said, nobody's going to steal Bob. I didn't make that one up. We get a new series today, Grateful. How many are grateful in this room? Amen. <laughs> grateful, if you look it up in the dictionary, it's, it's an adjective. An adjective is a describing word. It describes something. It describes a feeling or showing an appreciation of kindness. Thankful. I believe God has called us to be a grateful people. And I guess I asked, I'd like to ask us the question today, does grateful describe you? Is it a good description of who you are as a person? I hope it is. I mean, I don't know about you, but I didn't come out of the, the womb grateful. Right? I came out of the womb kicking and screaming and saying, it's all about me. 
And, and the reality is we had to teach our kids gratefulness. How many parents had to teach your kids gratefulness? I mean, they weren't grateful in their early years. We had to say, what do you say? Thank you. Say it again. Practice. What do you say? They would be given a gift, and their automatic response was not, wow, thank you. It was, I deserve this. This is good. It's all about me. <laughs> and so gratefulness is something that, that we have to cultivate. We taught them to express their gratefulness because unexpressed gratitude is actually ingratitude. I mean, you can, you can feel grateful, and yet if you don't express it, it doesn't have the weight in what it should. And we live in a country that enjoys plenty of food, shelter, electricity, running water, water that you can actually drink out of the tap, water you can brush your teeth with without getting viruses, come on, uh, heating, air conditioning, wealth transportation, sanitation. I mean, we have so many blessings, and yet sometimes we can be the most ungrateful people on the planet. Because, you know, there's always something to complain about. There's always something to gripe about, right? I mean, traffic, the economy, food prices, the eagles, the government, problems at work, the 76ers. Oh, and what? 11 or 12? I don't know. Um, difficulties with family. I didn't get the raise I wanted. I mean, you name it. It, it seems like the list is, is endless. And it seems like we can sometimes never be satisfied. I mean... How can you be grateful when life isn't going the way you think it should, right? I mean, really? Red? Coffee cups? <laughs> Seriously? My life is ruined? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Mind blown. And... And somehow this, this ungrateful spirit just kind of grabs a hold of you at times. And the Apostle Paul, who found himself in less than desirable situations in life, he, he somehow found a way to see beyond, beyond his difficult circumstances. In fact, he had a whole different perspective. And I want to look at that this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles or you want to watch on the screen, 2 Corinthians 4, 8, he, he explains some things. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles. It's like the world is trying to push in and, and crush me. He said, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed. Don't understand everything that's going on, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down. I mean, get the picture there. He says, we're being hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. 
We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. I mean, what a perspective. What a different glimpse at life when things aren't going my way. He says, so we live in the face of death. But this has resulted in eternal life for you. <laughs> so I'm living in the face of death, and yet it's bringing about a great result. Somebody's getting saved. Somebody's experiencing eternal life because of this. It says in verse 13, but we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. I believed in God, so I spoke. We know, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. And all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. <laughs> and God will receive more and more glory. And that's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. I mean, the outward stuff is going on, but inside, I got some life in here, folks. I may not look like much on the outside, but I got some treasure on the inside. Hallelujah. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Somebody say small and won't last very long. Our present troubles, the stuff you're dealing with right now is small and it won't last very long. It's a season. It may seem like a long season, but it's small and it won't last very long. And he goes on, yet those troubles, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. All that junk going on is producing something very weighty that lasts forever. So Paul says this. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. But the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Hallelujah. What a perspective changer. There is a way to be grateful no matter your circumstances. Because you've got to know some things, and you've got to speak some things that you know. It's not enough just to know it, but you've got to speak what you know. 
Amen? you got to know that God is for you. You've got to be certain of God's goodness and of a, a greater outcome than what you can see right now. So I believe in God, therefore I speak. You've got to see beyond the here and now. Look past your current situation and see God and his greater purpose. See what's coming beyond this moment. See what's coming beyond this life. See things that cannot be seen at times. In my life journal this week, I uh, was in Job. How many love Job? <laughs> it's like, oh, no, not Job again. Because Job, man, he, he, he had it going on, and then all of a sudden the bottom dropped out. And uh, if you're not doing your life journal, if you don't have one, like Landon said, there are five bucks out there. And it's just a way to uh, go into the Scripture. We use the SOAP method, Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And we just write some things down that God's saying to us. And it's, it's changing the way we're reading the Bible. Because you've got to get the Word of God in you, amen? I mean, if, if you're not eating, you're going to waste away to nothing. You got to eat. I've been eating. Okay. <laughs> but I have lost nine pounds. Come on. Celebration time. It's Thanksgiving week. Okay. So next week I won't have lost nine pounds probably, but uh, as of today, thank you, Jesus. So I'm reading in Job, right? And the last chapter, it's, it's the best chapter of Job, chapter 42. And I'm, I'm reading, and, and here's a statement that just jumped out at me. Job said in, in verse 5, I had only heard about you before. He's talking to God. I'd only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. And I love this next line. I take back everything I said. I mean, I, I heard about you, God, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. And I take back everything I said. I'm going to sit here in dust and ashes and repentance. And I'm asking God to open our eyes to see some things today that will absolutely change our perspective. You know, some people, they, they make the mistake of turning a chapter of their life into the story of their life. When we do that, when we replay the past, we miss out on the present and we sabotage the future. Job is one example. He was on the cusp of the greatest days of his life and all of a sudden he got it. The light came on. He, he saw the Lord in the midst of his suffering. And the Lord blessed him, blessed his future twice as much as before. What an awesome God. It's easy sometimes to get jaded and cynical because you're not experiencing, your experience really doesn't match what you think you know. Sometimes you've just got to speak what you know by faith and do what you know to do in spite of how things look and feel right now. In fact, say this with me. 
I'm grateful because he's faithful. I'm grateful because he's faithful. Say it again. I'm grateful because he's faithful. It's a statement of faith. In fact, in Psalm 105, the psalmist declares, give thanks to the Lord. You know, thanks is something you give. It's not an automatic. It's a releasing from your life to someone else, and in this case, to God. Give thanks to the Lord. When we give thanks to the Lord, things begin to shift. And the psalmist declares this, give thanks to the Lord and proclaim His greatness. Don't, by your silence, create an ungrateful atmosphere. Come on. Don't have unexpressed gratitude. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim His greatness. Let the whole world know what He's done. Sing to Him. Yes, sing His praises. Why do we need to say things out loud? Because others need to hear what God has done in your life. Somebody needs to hear the miracle that's happened to you. I, I was inspired this morning as, as Blaine and Debbie walked in and sat behind me and I turned around and Debbie's standing upright. Last time I saw her, her back had her bent over. We prayed for her. But last Sunday, can I tell this? Okay, because I am. Last Sunday morning, she was at home. I don't know all the details, but she couldn't get here because of her back. And, and as the, the live simulcast was happening, not a simulcast, what is it? Live stream, thank you. As the live stream was happening, she said, I'm not going to put up with this any longer. In fact, tell us what you said. I said, you're not going to steal my joy any longer. I got up, and Blaine came home from church, and I just stood up, and I said, I'm healed. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Now, that could have happened to her, and she wouldn't have to tell anybody. Wow. Nobody would have to know. How you doing, Deb? Great. Everything's good. You know what the first thing I ever mouthed to me? I'm healed. Come on. What? Let's celebrate what God has done. And, and her expression of gratitude to the Lord, telling of what he has done, sparks faith in me. There's power in a testimony. And he says, give thanks to the Lord. Proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him. Yes, sing his praises. As Tori shared with us last week, and Back, pray for her. She's not feeling well today. But as she shared with us, you can't say one thing and, and think something else. Your mouth takes over. So begin to declare his praises. Begin to talk about what God has done. Let that become your positive story. And shut the negative down. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Verse 3, exult in his holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. Search for the Lord and for his strength 
continually seek him. Open your eyes. Look what he's doing. Look all around. Find out what God is doing and celebrate it. And tell somebody. Christy's got this calendar. and It's, it's an inspiring calendar. And, and this month it says, enjoy the little things in life. For someday you will realize they were the big things. And I'm thinking, sometimes I just walk right past the little things that God's doing. The little ways he's blessed me. The little things that, that seem like no big deal. And yet, they're a big deal. And, and the psalmist says, search for the Lord. Look, look, open your eyes, see what he's doing. Look for his strength. Continually seek him. Remember the wonders he's performed, his miracles, and the rulings he has given. Kevin Gerald in his book, Good Things, says, God's goodness isn't hiding and his favor doesn't make limited appearances. We just have to have eyes to, that seek to find. You have to have eyes that seek to find. We're not always keenly aware of God's favor, which is why the Apostle Paul prayed for his friends to be enlightened. Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, told them he was praying that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened. And here's the deal, he says. Favor surrounds us. When I start looking for good things in my life, I realize they can be found everywhere, even in unlikely places. He goes on to say, sometimes when God's favor is the least visible, it is functioning at its best on our behalf. Even when I can't see what God's doing, I got to know in my spirit that he's working all things together for my good. Even when we don't know it, we've got to train our eyes to see the good. Watch for the good that will be revealed around every turn. He says, God's favor can be drawn to you by your attitude and mindset and it can be kept from you by the very same. When we choose to be a good finder, it increases God's favor in our lives. And I would say it may not increase it, but it will increase your perception of it. We need to know God is for us. God's not mad at you. That's good news. He is for you. He's fighting for you. He's working for you. Train your eyes to be good finders. You could say it either way, good finders or good finders. Either one, train your eyes. The only difference between a negative person and a positive person is what they see. And so I've, I'm challenging us as a church, challenging you as an individual. Create a grateful list. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, create a grateful list. I mean, it doesn't have to be a big deal, right? I'm grateful that the sun's always shining. I mean, even when the clouds are there, the sun's still shining. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I'm alive. I may not be feeling the best today, but I'm alive. I'm still breathing. I'm grateful that I can feel my skin. You know, some people can't. I'm grateful that I can see. I'm grateful that I could taste that donut this morning. I didn't have one. Lost nine pounds. Uh, I'm grateful I can smell the bread baking. I mean, there are so many things to be grateful for. And, and being thankful, being grateful is a 
choice. And you can cultivate gratefulness in your life by seeing the goodness of God. Is everything perfect? No, man, seriously. But God is good and He's faithful. I'm grateful because He's faithful. I'm grateful because He's faithful. And gratefulness will eventually become not just a list you make, but it'll become a lifestyle you live. Exodus chapter 16, verse 32, Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. This is what the Lord has commanded. Fill a two-quart container with manna to preserve it for your descendants. And then later generations will be able to see the food I gave you in the wilderness when I set you free from Egypt. This is what the Lord says. Fill a two-quart mayonnaise jar, I mean manna jar, with manna. Because you got to tell the story. Somebody else needs to see how I took care of you. Somebody else needs to see the miracles that I've done to bring you through the wilderness. How many have ever been in a wilderness in your life? Only a few of us. Some of you need to experience the wilderness, I see. Because it's in the wilderness you realize what God has done. So we decided as a family many years ago to take a, a manna jar. I know it's a mayonnaise jar. Okay, I know. But this is our manna jar, and we, we have put in here various miracles that God has done. And, and I just want to pull one out this morning. It's a symbol. I know it doesn't look like the power place, but... This is a symbol of how God brought us here. I just wrote some, some little things on the bottom of it so I don't forget about the call and the confirmation that God gave us. How it came out of the blue, but it was God. And I wrote down how God brought us Nick Palomo. It was a miracle. And, and he called me right after somebody else talked to me and said, you need a team. I said, who in the world is going to come work for free? They said, that's God's problem. He'll deal with it. Just pray about it. The next day, I get the phone call. Hey, I'm just praying. And What are you doing? Because God's asking me to come work with you. I said, I can't pay you. He said, I don't need to be paid. I can do what I do whenever, wherever I live. Where are you going? Okay. That's manna, my friend. That's a miracle from God. And God sent us all kinds of things. And I can't go through all the details. We do have a, a, a deal. Yeah. We have a, a DVD that actually t tells our story back there. If you want one from the ushers, it's in the back there. I kept this one. Uh, this is my hospital band. On March 7th, 2013, I was supposed to die. In fact, I didn't realize it at the time, 
didn't realize until I was out of the hospital visiting my doctor for my first checkup, and he said, you know, we really shouldn't be having this conversation. We should be having your funeral. He said, you had 100% blockage. We call that the widow maker. He said, you shouldn't be here. I said, well, I think God may have other ideas. Maybe he wanted to just get my attention. And I didn't notice this, uh, but uh, this, this is one of those things that I will forever remember the miracle of how God saved my life. As I drove myself to the doctor, as I'm having a heart attack, Christy's in the other seat, and I took a shower and going to the doctor. And, and he, he laid me down on the table and uh, hooked up his little things to me, and he, he got white. He said, you need to go right across the street, and your wife is going to drive you. Don't you dare drive. He said, you shouldn't have driven here. He said, this is not good. And I look at this and I say, that's manna. And I need to remember what God has done. And I need to speak about what he has done. And as I speak, gratefulness begins to rise in my spirit. I didn't do this. God did this. There's no possible way I should be here today except for God. He's an awesome God, and He deserves all the thanks and praise we can muster. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, remember, remember the miracle that I did in your life. Remember those things, those moments that I stepped in and brought you to where you couldn't be on your own. Same principle found in Joshua chapter 4. When all the people crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, now, choose 12 men, from one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out, pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men and chosen one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go to the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children are going to ask you, what do these stones mean? My grandchildren today ask me, Coogie, what's that in the jar? Can you tell us the stories? And I pull out a golf ball and I tell them about the golf ball-sized tumor that was in Isaiah, their daddy's neck. We prayed and God dissolved it. We pull out stories and tell them, here's what this means. This is the miraculous power of God. This is manna from above. This is how God has sustained us. Come on. He says, your children are going to ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us. The Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. 
Listen, you don't have to have a jar or a pile of rocks, but you need something, okay? At least make a list of the faithfulness of God on your behalf. At least have something that reminds you, look what the Lord has done in my life. Speak of his faithfulness. Tell the stories of what he's done. Create a culture of gratefulness in your life and in your family. I'm grateful because he's faithful. Say it with me. I'm grateful because he's faithful. Watch this. It was Thanksgiving morning and I was sick. And not the dainty, manageable kind of sick. I was sick. There was so much still to be done. Supplies to gather, food to prepare, and an 18-pound turkey to roast. So my dear husband decided to enlist help. If he were smart, he would have just called his mother or his sister-in-law, but no. He called his brother Paul. Now let me just say, seeing the two of them in action is what made me understand why animals eat their young. Neither of them had any real experience in the kitchen. In fact, they had about as much business preparing a holiday dinner as I did playing linebacker in the NFL. The only meal I'd ever seen my husband prepare was a bowl of cereal. And Paul? Well, Paul had his own set of difficulties when it came to food prep. I'm not exactly sure what went on in the kitchen that day, but judging from the commotion, the laughter, and <laughs> one actual scream, I was pretty sure it was something I wasn't going to be thankful for. Good intentions can go a long way, but you need more than intentions to roast a turkey. On Thanksgiving, most of us stop and reflect on the tangible things we're thankful for. Our health, our family. However, on that Thanksgiving, I didn't have my health and I couldn't be with my family. I felt alone and somewhat forgotten. Then I remembered a time in the Bible when Moses felt alone. He wanted to see God to try and make sense of his circumstances. In turn, God said he would make his goodness pass right in front of him. And God's goodness was more than enough. I guess the trick is no matter what the circumstance you find yourself in on Thanksgiving or any day, is to see God's goodness and to thank Him for it. <laughs> oh, and by the way, that Thanksgiving may have ended up being the best one we've ever had. Thanks to the dinner being overcooked, undercooked, and in some parts raw, our family started the first annual Thanksgiving Leftovers food fight.
sure, it's silly and, and a whole lot of fun. But this tradition has become an annual reminder to our whole family that no matter how messy our lives get, we can still be thankful for God's goodness. See God's goodness. Remember God's goodness. Speak of God's goodness. The Apostle Paul, who, if you'll recall, didn't have a real cushy life, right? He also reminds us once again in Philippians chapter 4, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. And then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, pure, and lovely, and admirable, Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And so he reminds us, don't worry. Pray the details. Give it to God. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's already done. And his peace will guard you. And then you got to fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Remember. Dwell on his faithfulness. Think about the good stuff. Make a list. Fill a jar. Pile up some rocks. Put a, put a note on your mirror as a reminder of all that our good God has done for us. And be grateful. I'm grateful because he's faithful. What do you have to be grateful for today. Would you stand with me, please? This is one of those holidays that my brother lives in Indonesia. They don't celebrate Thanksgiving. But he celebrates with the young children that God has put around him. He says, you know what? We're just going to create a, a culture of gratefulness. Because though we don't live in the most free country in the world, we still have something to be thankful for. We still have a, a reason to be grateful. And I would say to us here in America, we, my friends, have so much to be grateful for. And somehow it's got to go from here or here to here. To here. Do that little thing you got right there. Use the vocal cords God has blessed you with. Declare His faithfulness. <laughs> 